Hello and welcome to Mirror Fighting, One to Watch with me, Rich Jones. In the latest of our new series of shows and podcasts, we'll be bringing you the inside track on some of the rising stars of the boxing world and looking to tell their stories inside and outside of the ring. Hopefully, you'll be hearing a lot more from these guys in years to come as they go on to big things in the boxing world. Today, I'm joined by Hamza Shiraz, who came from a fighting family, but it was Amir Khan who proved an inspiration for him to try and become a world champion. Aged just 21, the ragey six foot three fighter who's tipped for a bright future under Frank Warren, having already become a European champion. I caught up with him to learn everything about his background from his earliest boxing memories to his ambition to not just become a world champion, but become a pound for pound great. So let's get on to it, shall we? And hear from Hamza Shiraz. So joined now by Hamza Shiraz. Uh, Hamza, just wanted to sort of go completely from the start in your boxing journey, really. And the family connection with boxing sort of started long before before you were born, didn't it? Yeah, man. My uh, uncle was a boxer. Uh, uh, he was an eight-time national amateur champion. Um, and yeah, man, he kind of oh, like he kind of took me to a gym one day when I was little. And I ain't looked back since. But if you look in the family, like um, you got the likes of Amir Khan, who was a who was a former two-time world champion. He's he, like you got you got people like that in the family. So what I'm basically doing is I'm carrying it on. And since the age of eight years old, I don't really look back. Yeah, I guess with that background, was it sort of the, the natural thing to go into boxing? It was always a case of when you, when you got old enough, your uncle and your dad were going to have a pair of boxing gloves on to see how you got on. I was punching the tune I was born, mate. My guard was up. <laughs> but but um, yeah, man, like, exactly like you said, it was just it was just a matter of time before before I went to the gym. And like I said, I, I went when I was eight years old. Started boxing at um, Debden Amateur Boxing Club when I was eight. I went there till about fifteen. Then I moved to Five Star Amateur Boxing Club where I finished my second half of my amateur career. And then I turned pro. And like I said. It's going well. I've got the European title on my waist now, and it's all about moving forward. Yeah, and we'll get on to the sort of amateur and pro career in a little bit. But just from the beginning as well, um, was there anyone, obviously, like you say, so many boxers in the family, was there anyone that was against you going into it, or was it pretty unanimous that they were, they were happy for you to, to go into the sport? Obviously, it's a dangerous sport. Was there anyone that was trying to tell you not to? Uh, not really. I had my family's full backing from, from day dot. Like, the perfect example of, of why I had the backing is because look, you got to look at the not the likes. Amir Khan himself, he he was the first British Asian to actually be successful in the sport, and I think our parents kind of looked at it, at, at it like if he can do it and if, if he's done it on such a high level, why not? Like in boxing, obviously you learn about dedicated, but learn about being dedicated. You learn your manners as well and life skills as well. So that's where I got the backing, and that's why I got the backing as well from my, from my family. Yeah, and was, was Amir sort of an inspiration growing up? Did you learn a lot from him? Yeah, of course, of course. Man. Like I said, he was, a, he was the first one to do it. So following his footsteps, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, and like you say, you sort of went into the amateurs. You had a really good amateur career. I mean, you've got great experience. What are your sort of best memories from the amateur days? Is there any fights that stand out in particular? Any big moments? To be honest with you, my amateur career, I didn't really like the amateurs. I, didn't, I hated it, to be honest with you. I started off... When I was young, I loved it. I loved, I just loved it. And then when it got to a stage where it's a matter of if your face fits, that's that's when I started not liking it no more. So I just got to, when I was 17 years old, I was meant to get picked for the Commonwealth Games. I didn't get picked and that just demotivated me. And I stopped boxing for about, I stopped boxing for about a good eight months. And if anything, the amateurs wasn't a good memory. It was a bad memory for me. But it is where I learned my apprenticeship for boxing and whatnot. Yeah, and what, why do you think your face didn't fit? Obviously, some people just don't fit in. Why do you think your face maybe didn't fit? 
I don't know, man. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't win enough titles, or I don't know. Maybe I don't know what other reasons it could have been, or maybe my style wasn't suited to it, or this. The other. I think that was the main reason, though, that my style wasn't suited to it. Because listen, I was going up. I was doing, it was doing like 10, 12 rounds of constant sparring like that, and I was coming on in the later rounds. And as you know, amateur fights are only three, three-minute rounds, and they wanted you to be active for that time. And obviously, my style wasn't suited to that. So I think that that was the main reason. Yeah, and you say you sort of served the apprenticeship in the amateurs. I think you did a, a, another apprenticeship outside the ring, didn't you? Did you do some electrical yeah. apprenticeship as well at some point? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, that's what I did because obviously I was just sitting on my ass doing nothing. I needed I needed to do something, so I got into um, went college and done an electrical apprenticeship. I done half of it, and then I got bored and I was like, "What am I doing?" Like at seventeen, I was just like, "What am I doing?" I, I don't go out partying, I don't drink, I don't do none of that what every other 17 year old was doing at the time, it didn't really appeal to me. So I went back into the gym and then, um, yeah, man, I got, luckily uh, I got the opportunity. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I got the opportunity to turn pro with Frank Rowan. Obviously it was nothing special at the time because my, I was just a name like this kid wants to turn pro. And I'm grateful I got the opportunity of Frank. And like I said, we both ain't looked back since. Yeah, you say everything happens for a reason. How did it all come about with Frank? How did that, that end up happening originally? The link up with Frank Rowan and yeah, my first trainer was Dominic Negus. He had a, like he had a fighter before back in the day, my boy Jones Jr. He he, he was a Southern Area champ at the time, and I was training alongside them, and I was going sparring, sparring with all the like likes of Bradley Skeet when he was when he was British champion, and the likes of all, all these names in boxing, and I was just getting noticed a little bit, and then obviously the opportunity came where Dom sat me down and said, "Listen, I, I can I've got a contract for you there. It's up to you if you want to sign it." And on my on my 18th birthday. I've done a massive signing and signed my contract and got the ball rolling. And you sort of, you've done the hard, I know you've sort of come a long way quite quickly, but you did the hard yards early on, sort of being afloat, sort of being on the early parts of the card. I mean, what did you, did you learn from that experience when you turned pro? Because it can be pretty tough for a sort of fairly unknown fighter in their first few fights, sort of waiting around and that sort of thing. What did you learn from that, those early experiences? Yeah, exactly. Man. I was a bit shocked because I thought, listen, oh, I'm pro now. You're going to fight on TV all the time with Frank Ryan, it's this, it's that. It was it was hard because I was a, I was afloat once in my second in my second scheduled fight I sold around I think like fifty grams worth of tickets and four hundred odd tickets and I didn't even end up fighting that night <laughs> I didn't even end up fighting that night so yeah man it's just it's not all glitz and glamour like the first you got to do your pro apprenticeship as well and I, and I've done that now and like I said I got the opportunity to fight for the title and like I said you just got to work hard at the end of the day and the opportunities will come. Yeah, and you say it's not all glitz and glamour. Obviously, everyone sees the glamorous side, but what, what's it like on a, on a day-to-day? What are the bits that you find, you know, a real grind in, in the sport? There's obviously got to be parts of it that are still a grind and, and still sort of not what you, you sort of live for. I guess it all comes down to fight nights, the, the main bit, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly what it's like. It's like dieting's a headache. It always is a headache because I'm, I'm big for the weight. I make the weight comfortably, but obviously no one really likes to diet. Do you know what I mean? And just training because every camp I do now, but for the last six fights, has been harder than, than than every other camp, and we're progressing. We're adding new things on every camp. So listen, uh, there's new things, and it just gets harder and harder. But then at the end of the day, like I said, I'm only 21, but I got t- I got I got time on my side. But at the same time, I don't I ain't got time to waste. So I just want to get in and do my thing, and eventually come out on top. Yeah, you mentioned the weight there. You're obviously quite big at the moment for you, your weight class. I mean, what weight class do you think your, your future's at long term? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about if you're sort of move, move through the weight classes and stuff like that, given your sort of height. I mean, what's, what's the plan do you think in the future? Obviously, it's hard to tell, but what do you think the, the plan will be for your future weight-wise? I reckon by the time like, everything goes to plan and 
God willing, I'm undefeated and everything, and I'll get a few more titles at this way. I'll definitely move up in the next two years or so or whatever. But I reckon finishing my career, I could end up at anything between super middle and light heavyweight because I've got the, well, I will have the structure and frame for it eventually. And you mentioned staying undefeated as well. That's sort of quite a modern thing, I think. Everyone sort of credits it to the Floyd Mayweather sort of generation of wanting to stay undefeated. But it is a big thing sort of marketing-wise as well at the moment. How important is it to you to sort of keep that undefeated record and stay unblemished as you sort of progress through the ranks? Everyone is, it's, it's, not, it's not so much because Floyd did it, I want to do it. It's, yeah. it's, it's a big thing to me. I've got, I know for myself, I've got, I'm only like young and everything. And I, I know myself, I've got too much to lose. And I know what I've got at, at stake, like, the fighters, if you compare my camp to another fighter's camp, you'll see all the different things we've got and you'll realise why I think, well, I know that I've got too much to lose and I can't, I can't really afford to lose at all, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's what I said. And that's what kind of not motivates me because I don't need to be motivated because I'm doing what I love. But at the same time, that's what kind of keeps me on track and gives me that extra edge compared to my opponents. And um, in terms of sort of... The, as you say, that gives you the motivation. Um, when it comes to obviously a fight day, I was everyone's sort of quite different on a fight day. How are you on the day of a fight? What's your sort of demeanour like? Are you one of these people who's sort of pacing around, can't wait to get in there? Are you pretty relaxed? What, what's, what's Hamza Shiraz like on, on a fight night and the lead up to the day? I'm pretty relaxed, honestly, because I know, I know the hard work's been done and it's all about just getting mentally prepared. So I'm just, I'm just chilled, really. And then as soon as I'm, as I'm in the change room, I switch on, switch on straight away and I'm in the zone. But otherwise... I'm just, I'm just your normal, yeah, yeah, your average person. Yeah, and you say obviously average person have the same sort of challenges as everyone else has. I know that sort of family-wise, you had a pretty tough time in COVID as well, didn't you? As sort of a, a tragic, tragic your auntie passing away. I know you dedicated the last fight to her. How, how tough was that to deal with when you were in camp? And you know, obviously it'd been a tough time for everyone, but it must have been been difficult that as well. Yeah, that was that was in the middle. That was literally right in the middle of camp. I think I had like four weeks, four weeks left uh, from the fight, so it was a massive blow. But like at the, at the same time, I, it, it kind of is what it is. And the only thing I can do now is just continue winning and making her proud, really. Yeah, and how important are your family now in terms of your everyday life and sort of supporting you and stuff like that? You seem like you're someone who's quite quite close to the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've supported me from day one. I've got also Mekhan's uncle, Taz, who's on board now. And he, he's been, this camp, he's been with me every day. He comes to, like, wakes up at 5am, we go to the gym and then we come back. He cooks, does everything, really takes me to do like I said he takes me to the gym and, and he's been to the top of the sport so someone who's willing to to do it all again is you can't you can't really go wrong do you know what I mean yeah and you mentioned earlier as well obviously Amir Khan was sort of the, the first of the sort of British Asian fighters who achieved so much I mean how important is that to you as well like sort of your heritage and sort of continuing that legacy that obviously Amir started with for the British Asian boxers how important is that is that something that you you know you're quite passionate about as well? Yeah, massively passionate about that. Hugely passionate about that. Not just for the Asians, but for British boxing in general and world boxing in general. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously now, now everything's become so much more diverse and it's just a matter of, like you said, continuing it. But at the same time, we've got there's loads of other Asian boxers continuing it. And um, yeah, hopefully we can do it all together, man. Not just like, not just Asian boxers, but boxers in general. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so you, you've got a cousin that's turned professional fairly recently as well. It's definitely a sort of family affair, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like he's part of my, my camp. He's meeting at a gym now, Umar. He's a, he's a talent. Like it's, it, it is in the family. Boxing is definitely in the, in the family. It's in the blood. And yeah, man, it's, like I said, it's a matter of continuing it and following on from Amir Khan's steps. And just a sort of few quick, quite quick fire questions at the end, just to get a bit more of an idea of your sort of 
background in the sport and growing up. So just to start off with, who's a, who was your favourite fighter when you were growing up? Who was it that you were always tuning in to watch? When I was growing up, it was it was probably Ricky like the likes of Ricky Hatton and and Floyd Mayweather and all that. When that's all the glitz and glamour. But now, as I'm getting more educated in the sport, it's definitely Canelo Alvarez, man. I learn I literally learn a lot off that guy. I watch him watch him all the time, and I think I think he's a beast. Yeah, what is it you take when you when you watch Canelo Alvarez? What are the sort of main things that you're looking to sort of learn from him and put into your own game? It's everything. He can box. He can fight. He can he can move. He can jump. He can do a bit of everything. So. Just keep watching a bit of him, how he trains. And even outside the ring, he's, he's a proper fellow, do you know what I mean? So, and just keep learning of him. And favourite fight you remember as a kid that you used to watch? Uh, Hatton versus Mayweather. That was the first one I stayed up for. And it was, just, it, was, it, was, it was a proper buzz because before that, I watched the, um, the HBO 24-7. They did, they did on that as well. And it just, just it got me so intrigued, man. Yeah, I remember that was the same for me. It was the first one I stayed up for. It was at my nan and granddad's house, and it was just the whole build-up was just yeah. something else. I remember the documentaries following them around and stuff. That was exactly great. yeah, yeah. That was that was the one I remember. And plus, Ricky Hatton being a British fighter, it was something you could like. You you was you was rooting for him at the time. Yeah, and then um, onto yourself again, a bit more as a fighter. What's your favourite shot? What's the one that you most like to to throw? Uh, my jab, but also my left hook to the body. That's my favourite. My favourite shot is my left hook to the body, but I'd say my best shot, probably my jab. And uh, so far, what, what would you say is the best moment so far of your career? Uh, definitely winning the European title because it was the first first show I uh, co-main evented and it was just, listen, I sold loads of tickets. It was outside London as well. It was against a good fighter and to top it off, I got the knockout victory when I was when loads of people are doubting me as well. So that, just, that was a cherry on the cake. Yeah, and you mentioned people doubting you. Is that something that, are you one of these people that takes not, you know, a lot of notes, but is it something that spurs you on when you see people that are sort of maybe writing you off, sort of doubting what you can achieve? Are you one of these people that sort of uses those doubts as motivation quite a lot? To be honest with you, I don't, I don't even use it as motivation because it is what it is. You're going to get it in boxing and everyone's entitled to their own opinion at the end of the day. So I just crack on, train hard and keep winning. I think that's the best thing you can do, John, is you can't really do nothing about it. Yeah, and have you got any, so what's the lowest point so far of your career? Have you got any regrets, any moments that, you know, left you sort of doubting whether you were going to carry on in sport or just anything in particular that's been hard to overcome, you say? Uh, not really. I'm very, I'm really like, I'm a very strong-minded person. You can put me in any situation and I'll just crack on with it. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm massively in everything happened for a reason, like I said from the start. So yeah, man, I'm, there's not been one moment in my career or even in life generally that I've regretted. And finally, what, what's the dream for Hamza Shiraz? What's the ambition? What one day is the, the dream for, for yourself in the sport? Uh, to, be, to become a pound-for-pound pound champion, man. Not just a world champion, but a pound-for-pound. Pound. But obviously, the first step is getting there first, so that's the main thing.